hello, Person of the Week listeners. We're off this week and working to bring you more exciting conversations this fall. So this week, we wanted to share something special with you from my colleagues here at Time. This has been a summer of record heat, not only across the U.S., but around the globe. And while the season may be drawing to a close, triple-digit temperatures seem to be here to stay in some parts of the world. That's why Time teamed up with Georgia Public Broadcasting to report on the impact of heat on outdoor workers. Earlier this summer, Time Senior International Climate and Environment Correspondent Aaron Baker and Senior Video Producer Joey Lawtrip joined forces with GPB reporter Sophie Gratis, and what they learned was truly shocking. We're all feeling the heat these days, but their special report allows us to hear from the workers who physically feel its impact the most. I'm Charlotte Alter, Senior Correspondent for Time and host of Person of the Week. We'll be back next week with writer, thinker, professor, and host of the Team Human podcast, Douglas Brushkoff, to talk about being a biographer of the internet. But until then, stay cool and enjoy this special report. And be sure to visit time.com to read the full report on the dangers extreme heat poses to outdoor workers and America's economy. On a Tuesday in June in South Georgia, farm worker Sylvia Moreno Ayala looks out over the fields of the family-owned farm she's worked for 17 years. I love that when we plant seedlings, with our care, we get fruit, she says. Soon, this field will have watermelons. A breeze comes through. Delicious, she says. Moreno's crew starts work early to avoid the hottest parts of the day. But by mid-morning, the temperatures reach the high 80s. And with the sun beating down on the field and 70% humidity, it feels hotter. It's time for water, Moreno tells the workers, one of which is her 16-year-old son, Arturo. From a cooler on the back of Moreno's truck, Arturo picks up a Capri Sun. It's his third summer, helping his mom on the farm. Like The first few days, you're going to get like really tired and you're going to be sore a lot. But like after time, you're going to get used to it. You just got to get used to the sun most. This day marks the first of many hot days this summer. Farmer Stanley Copeland, Moreno's boss, says he's preparing for heat waves. Making sure we got shade for livestock and making sure our evaporative systems for chickens is in good shape. But for Sylvia and her crew? Like I say, we got people smart enough. They'll take care of themselves in groups. Copeland says they can handle the heat, but that's not always true. Moreno says in larger fields, it can take them an hour to make it to the end of a field and back. They can't bring the cooler with them. Often, Moreno will run out of water. She's gotten dizzy and nauseous with heat exhaustion. It feels like her heart is stopping, she says. And years of working on farms has had long-term effects, too. For almost a decade, Moreno has had chronic kidney infections. Precisely because we can't stay hydrated, Moreno says. All the water me and other workers drink throughout the day just gets sweat out. 
Farm workers don't have as many labor protections as other workers in the U.S. They often don't get overtime pay. Many work without health insurance. And migrant farm workers, over half of those in the Southeast, are subject to lax housing provisions that don't even require air conditioning. As climate change brings more dangerously hot days, farm workers are put at higher risks. Already, agricultural workers are estimated to die of heat stress at rates 35 times higher than other laborers. Excessive heat can cause fever, confusion, and body aches. In fatal cases, when internal body temperature gets too high, the body is unable to cool itself down. But many farm workers don't know all of this. A couple years ago, Aaron Ferranti with the Emory University School of Nursing conducted a study with South Georgia farm workers to gauge their understanding of heat-related risks. Do they know what heat illness is? Would they know how to recognize the signs and symptoms? And would they know how to respond? Explains Ferranti. And what we found was that their knowledge level was quite low. Roxana Chicas, also with Emory University and with her own set of studies on farm worker health, says... It's not just about educating farm workers, the laborers. It's also about educating growers. For too long, ever since, you know, even when we were enslaving people, uh, the mentality has been that people of color are built to withstand the heat, right? That they're, they're conditioned to be able to work out in the heat. Which is not true. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA, the federal government's lead worker safety agency, says access to water, rest, and shade for those working in the heat can be life-saving. Even then, convincing farmers with already tight margins to adopt more heat protections on their own dime may be difficult, says director of the University of Georgia Weather Network, Pam Knox. If you have to give your workers more frequent work breaks, it's an economic cost because it's going to take you longer to get a crop harvested, right? But Julie Fulcher with Public Citizen says farmers, and other employers too, are likely already paying the price when workers are slowed down by the heat. They are not doing their work as well. They are more likely to get injured. So employers are already spending money on this. It would be cheaper to solve the problem. On a watermelon field near Pitts, Georgia, a week before July 4th, temperatures reach a high of 97 degrees. It's the same heat that killed a farm worker picking tomatoes 70 miles south, almost five years to the day. Workers toss the melons down a line from one pair of hands to the next. When one bus is filled, another one drives in. They take water breaks in between. During lunchtime, the workers mull around a five-gallon cooler and find relief under a shade tree. Jesus Lopez Damian chugs from a two-liter Coke bottle. It's his third season in the U.S. as a farm worker. There are a lot of people that think we make this money easily, he says. The reality is you need to kill yourself under the sun and in the heat. Sitting beside him, Victor Manuel Montes Hasso agrees. During his first season working in the U.S., Montes says he's learned that even with breaks, there's always a risk of getting sick. There's no way to protect ourselves from the sun, he says. This job's a pain. But we need to work, right? That's why we came here, to work hard. He hopes to come back next year.
Many farm workers that are undocumented or here on temporary work visas often face retaliation if they report poor working conditions, says Alma Young with the United Farm Workers Foundation in South Georgia. You know, when I reach out to workers and talk about the, the benefits of reporting, the, their concern is that they, they have tried that in the past and nobody listens to them and they see that not as a benefit, but something that will harm them. Because on top of the discrimination farm workers face already, there's no federal law that ensures heat protections for workers. But that could change. Two years ago, OSHA issued an advance notice of rulemaking for heat injury and illness prevention, essentially a heads up that the agency is working on a federal heat standard that would outline workers' rights and employer responsibilities. South Georgia farm worker Sylvia Moreno Ayala says this would be huge for worker safety. If they put OSHA agents in the fields, she says, the bosses would be scared. You don't play with OSHA. But because of a notoriously slow rulemaking process, a federal heat standard from OSHA isn't expected anytime soon. It could be as far as 10 years away. Meanwhile, it's only getting hotter. Good morning. At 6.30 a.m., trash collector Chris Powell is already on the first leg of his route. He's one of over 100 trash collectors employed by Ryland Environmental. The company has contracts with cities from Macon down to the Florida border. Powell hops on and off the back of a trash truck as it makes its way through different neighborhoods. Every morning, I mean, the job supplies a deep freezer full of bottled waters. You just come in and grab whatever you may need. Those frozen water bottles, the workers call them bricks, will melt throughout the day, giving them a constant supply of water. Drivers, they're always saying, hey, take your break, you know. As you tend to sweat, you, you can kind of feel, I guess you need some water. It's a hard job, like when it takes three guys to lift a trash can full of tile. During a 10-hour shift where temperatures averaged in the mid-80s, Powell lost three gallons of sweat. To make up for the salts lost from his body, Powell would need to drink 35 20-ounce Gatorade bottles. Just a typical day, you you sweat, you drink you some water, but would not have thought I needed that much water. Even though his boss is a stickler about breaks and heat safety training, there's no way Powell, as an essential worker helping keep a major city clean, can avoid the heat while he's working, says Powell's supervisor, Maurice Dillard. It just has to be done regardless of whether it's 112 outside or 120 outside or whether it's 54 degrees outside. But lead labor agencies say in many parts of the country, it will likely get too hot to work safely. There's no federal law yet to protect people from having to work in dangerously hot conditions. But a federal heat standard, basic rules for safety, are expected within the next decade. In the meantime, 46 states, including Georgia, don't have their own outdoor heat protections either. So workers have no real pathway for most heat-related complaints. Across sectors, federal labor agencies report an average of 38 heat-related deaths a year. Julie Fulcher advocates for worker safety with the group Public Citizen. She says heat can cause people to die from a fall, mishandling machinery, or from a heart attack. That's why she says heat-related deaths are undercounted. What we're looking at is something that's probably closer to, to 600 to 2,000 a year are dying from heat stress on the job. 
Until they craft the federal heat standard, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration says the agency is prioritizing more workplace inspections and issuing citations. We can issue citations under, under what we call our, our general duty clause. The general duty clause covers hazardous conditions that don't have their own standard, says Brian Liddell with OSHA's health response team. But it's largely up to employers to create safe working conditions while an official heat standard is underway. We just don't have enough compliance officers to get into every work site everywhere. It's just not, it's not feasible. Uh, and so that's always a challenge. Except for employers, it shouldn't be a challenge to keep workers safe, says Juanita Constable with the Natural Resources Defense Council. It's such a silly, preventable issue. <laughs> it's not like we don't understand how to keep people safe from heat. This is not rocket science. It's not brain surgery. Labor agencies and others, like the Centers for Disease Control, already have their own heat protection guidelines. Stay hydrated, take breaks in cool places, wear loose-fitting clothing, climatize before starting outdoor work. Don't ignore symptoms of heat illness. By doing these things, the human body can largely tolerate temperatures up to 90 degrees Fahrenheit while working, although OSHA says anything past 80 degrees is dangerous. James Lanier of Ryland Environmental says it's quite simple. Protect your workers like you would your family. Would you send your son out on a truck like that without an air conditioner in it or on, on the back of a truck without water all day or something like that or without the access to get that stuff? I wouldn't. Lanier says workers get three breaks, including lunch, with more if it's hotter outside. The company pays for protective equipment, water, and for employers to come in early for worker safety training. And Lanier says if heat waves get as bad as predicted, he'd implement more safety measures, like using automated trucks during the hottest parts of the day. You know, while OSHA serves a wonderful purpose, it's not our guiding factor behind that. This is just the right thing to do. After what he already spends on safety measures, Lanier says they've only had to send one worker home for heat-related illness. So far, several comments from business organizations have been in favor of a national heat standard. But some representing lumber workers, farmers, construction workers, and the like seem concerned about a rule being cumbersome to follow. Many, like Ryland Environmental, say they're already protecting their workers. So why should OSHA butt in? Yet, some workers in the private sector have to go to extreme lengths to get protections. Let's go welcome in committee. Driver for the United Parcel Service, Barkley Wimpy, starts his day around 9 a.m. This route has more dogs per capita than any other route at UPS, period. <laughs> his route near the Georgia mountains is windy with lots of long driveways. Wimpy hauls packages out of his truck, from medication to furniture. One of his regular customers checks in. Man, I'm, I'm doing okay right now. I appreciate it. Like every UPS driver, Wimpy has no air conditioning in his brown metal truck, just two fans blowing lukewarm air. He says it can feel like an oven. Because there's, no, there's, no, there's nowhere for us to go. There's no way to escape it. There's no way to get away from it. You can try to stop and park, you know, maybe under a shade tree, something to that effect, but it, 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 you're, you're still in it. Conditions can get so bad that last summer, Wimpy suffered a heat stroke on the job. At the emergency room, his temperature read over 100 degrees. Uh, it makes it very difficult to, to deal with the heat the next year. Uh, once it happens one time, I, I can't explain it. Once it happens one time, it will happen again. So it's, uh, it's tough. 
Putting air conditioners in the hundreds of thousands of UPS vans across the country was one of several demands made by the UPS International Brotherhood of Teamsters ahead of a planned strike this month. On July 25th, the Teamsters reached negotiations with the company on wage increases, equal pay, time off, and AC. The company plans to outfit trucks with air conditioners as soon as 2024. For GPB News, I'm Sophie Gratis.